What an exciting day. Babies, new members, we get to sing and be together for the first time in a while. It's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but last week it kind of felt weird at home not being here, but at the same time, the, the, the church leadership felt like that was the thing that, that we could do as a congregation is to, to hold off for a week, and we did, and, and now we're here, and we're healthy, and we're thankful for that, so we give God praise. Well, last week we began a new series for the month of February, Discipleship 101. The first week was all about the question, why discipleship? Why, why do we even do it? If we don't have a good why, then nothing really matters. Well, I gave four answers to this question, and I, I know it was just online, so if you didn't see it, I understand. But does anyone remember one of the answers to that question? Why discipleship? Because Jesus, yes, Jesus initiated discipleship. All right, I'll give you the answers. Jesus met our need. We left everything when we were called. We looked at the calling of Simon. As Jesus told him to cast his nets, remember he had been fishing for an entire night, and he pulls up on the shore, and he comes across Jesus, and Jesus tells him, hey, cast your nets. And Simon's like, we just did that all night long, but for some, he does it anyways. Simon is then given more fish than he could ever imagine. And so Simon is called to be a disciple, and these questions don't really cross his mind. He doesn't think why or what is he talking about. All he knows is that he was called by the man who met his need. And if he wanted to initiate further relationship, then there was no way he was going to question leaving everything and following this man who had just done this miraculous thing that he didn't understand, but he knew that it happened. So that was our first week of, of why discipleship. Why? Because Jesus met our need. No matter where, how you came to know Jesus, he has met needs in your life. We left everything else... So we might as well lean into what he has for us. He called us to do it, and Christ initiated it. So if God started it, I want to be a part of it. So then we looked at the calling of Simon. As Jesus, yeah, we looked at the calling of Simon last week, and today we move just a few verses down the road. We're going to look at Luke 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. If you would, stand with me as we read the word of the Lord together. Luke chapter 6. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is, in, is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for this is what your ancestors did to the false prophets. 
Today, this is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. And girls, you're welcome to go sit with your family, but you look comfortable. If you want to stay right there, you're welcome to. I'm going to talk for a little bit. Yes. I think the one thing that we can all agree on is we really, it feels pretty terrible to be out of the loop on something. Whether it seems like you're the only one in the room that's unaware of something, or you suddenly realize that you ignored your spouse earlier, and now they're asking you about what you ignored them about, you just feel out of the loop. Well, in, in high school, I didn't really like to miss school. I just felt like I was missing out. That, that it, it, I just I couldn't miss. But one day, I had to miss. I don't know if I was sick or a doctor's appointment, but it was a legitimate excuse. And I remember coming back the day after I was out. And in math, for some reason, the day that I was out, we started trigonometry. Worst day ever to miss school. Well, I, I get back, and the teacher is using those words. You remember sine, cosine, and tangent? And all I could think of was my dad going on a tangent to never cosine on a loan for someone, and that was all I knew about these words. And to this day, I really struggle with those, whole, those concepts in trigonometry. Not that I use them every day, but I was only in ninth grade, so for the rest of high school, they were kind of iffy for me. But one of the main reasons that that was the case for me was because I, I never stopped and asked the teacher or asked the classmate. I never pulled somebody aside and just said, whoa, 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 whoa. What in the world is this? What is it? Because that's really what's missing in my education, is I kind of got what they were doing, understand what it was. And I'm going to go out on a limb here today and say that some of you might just feel that way about discipleship. We throw the word around a lot in the church. We love to use it like everyone should know what's going on, and, and that we all mean the same thing when we say the word discipleship. But that's, that's not the case. We haven't really clearly defined it. And I think we have to know what it is before we can engage in true discipleship. So our text this week tells us that Jesus is with his disciples. And, and there, there's a great crowd that is gathered around. The crowd was all over. They were from Jerusalem and Judea and even out to the coast. I have two thoughts about this. And it begin, begins with a glimpse of what is discipleship. First of all, there are lots of people. There are also numerous disciples. It doesn't say that Jesus was with his disciple. It says that he was with his disciples. So answer number one to the question, what is discipleship today? Is that discipleship is a group activity. Jesus' encounters with people didn't really send them off to be alone and bask in what they had learned or what they had experienced from this miracle. No, Jesus' encounters with people, brought those people together and in unity. They didn't have all the answers, but like we said last week, he met our needs, and we're going to follow him. We're going to follow him together. Growing up, I played soccer, and I, I started at a young age, and I played all the way through high school, and I loved every single minute of it. I miss it so much. And I remember one of my coaches in Little League Soccer one time telling us that to, to get better at soccer, one of the easiest things you can do is just have a soccer ball at your feet 
And if your mom was okay with it and the ball was clean, even throughout the house, just walk around with all at your feet. Because as you came over here, you just had to practice knowing how long your legs are and, and what, how you make contact with the ball. But another thing that that same coach told us was, we, we kind of asked, what do you do if you're home and mom and dad are busy and your siblings aren't there? And what do you do, how do you practice if there's no one there to practice with? And he had a good idea. He said, if you have a brick wall at your house, make sure your soccer ball has a lot of air in it, and you can go stand by the brick wall, and you can pass the ball off the wall, and it'll come back to you. So you can practice receiving the ball and sending the ball and, and receiving and sending and receiving and sending. So I, I was blessed to have good parents that were a part of my upbringing, and Lauren was always around. And so, you know, a lot of times I would have my dad or Lauren or my mom, somebody to kick the soccer ball with me in the yard. But I remember one time that, that nobody was able to help me, and, and I really wanted to practice. So we had a carport, and there was no cars in it. So I went in, and I started kicking the ball off the wall. And I was excited. It was fun, you know, kicking the ball, kicking the ball. And you know, I felt like I was out there for a really long time. But I went inside, and I realized that I had only been out there for ten minutes. Ten minutes. You know why? Because brick walls, they don't move. They don't talk. And they don't share the love of the game. If I just had one other person with me that loved the game, I could have gone for hours. And if I had several people, I probably wouldn't have even had to sleep. We could have just kept going. You see, team sports, they're group activities. And church, discipleship is a group activity. While times alone with Christ are certainly necessary, we need each other to encourage one another. We need each other to help us practice and to get better. If we go it alone, we will be bored, we'll be worn out, and we'll be confused within about 10 minutes. But we need to journey with others who share the love of the game. That's what keeps us going. There's something else that we need to notice about the crowd that gathered with Jesus. That's where they were all from. Do you remember the Great Commission from the end of Matthew's Gospel? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he ends with, And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the very ends of the earth. Well, where is this crowd from? This text tells us that they are from Judea, Jerusalem, and all the way to the shoreline. Also known as to the very end of the earth. These people were from all over. So what does this tell us about the question, what is discipleship? It tells us our second answer today. What is discipleship? Discipleship is diverse. What do I mean by that? Well, lots of things. Lots and lots of things. Let's stop here and unpack this. Discipleship is diverse in the sense that it can take many different forms. We'll talk about this next week in detail, but there's no one certain way to do discipleship. It can look like a lot of different things. But there are some guidelines and parameters in which we can classify if if, if an activity is discipleship or not. What we glean from our text today is that discipleship is diverse in the sense that it's done with and amongst people from everywhere. Christ's call for us to make disciples did not say, 
make disciples that look, that sound, and that smell like you. Christ's call for us to make disciples is we're going, and if we're truly doing that, it will begin to truly make our discipleship more diverse. We'll begin in community with people with much different life experiences than us. We'll be discipled by people who speak other languages. To take the call of Christ seriously, our discipleship must include people that are different than us. And why is that? Well, it's because when we engage with people that are so different, people that are unique from us, we can begin to find that Christ is the, might be the only common factor that we have. We begin to learn more about God through that diversity. God created us all uniquely in God's image, which means that the more diverse we are, the more fully we are engaging with Creator God. Have you ever looked at abstract art? I've been to some museums on field trips and seen some pretty unique pieces. You know, those blobs that sell for millions of dollars, and everyone's just kind of like, huh? Well, one thing that's fascinating about abstract art is that you can look at it for hours, and it'll still just look like a blob. It won't look any different. Then someone else can walk up who's from another country, who speaks another language, who doesn't look like you, sound like you, or smell like you, and when they approach this painting, they begin to weep. Why would that be? See, it's because they know something about the artist that you don't know. This is the heart of diverse discipleship. That we would each, through our unique life experiences, allow the whole body to know as much as we can about our artist that we call God. Again, we could stand there and look for hours and hours and hours, and it's not going to be meaningful to us. It just looks like a blob. But there are others that know more about the artist than you do. And not even so much more, but they know different things and have different experiences that can add to the significance of the painting for you. Next, we see Jesus healing people and freeing them from demons. This seems to have been on a pretty large scale in this text. Well, think about it. When there's suddenly one cure for everything, the source is bound to be in high demand. Our text then gives us what we call the Beatitudes. And you've probably heard these before, most likely out of Matthew's gospel. But let's look at them one more time from Luke's gospel. Starting in verse 20, I'll read them for us. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep, for now you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is in heaven, and for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you. For that is what their ancestors did to false prophets. That's kind of a lot. So how does this help us with discipleship? What is, what is this? Well, I'm not going to break apart the Beatitudes today. 
But the rest of our text gives us our third answer to what is discipleship. Discipleship is listening and paying attention. In a world of cell phones and constant screen time, it's often hard to listen fully and give our attention to one thing because we're always multitasking these days. Always. I mean, think about it. Most of us can't even watch a movie without playing a game on our phone while we watch a movie. Or you can't put a bag of popcorn in the microwave for two minutes and stand there without pulling out your phone and saying, oh, did they text me back? Oh, no. Oh, did they? No, they didn't text me back. All right, well, let me watch a video while my popcorn pops. That's, that's just the world we live in. We multitask. If we're only doing one thing, we don't really feel productive. But see, what happens in our text today is that Jesus heals. And if we're not paying attention, we miss the point of what he's doing. Jesus shares some of the most profound words that have ever been spoken in the Beatitudes. And if we're not paying attention, then we'll just skip that part and pay attention to when he's talking about our rewards as followers of Christ. You know, if, if, if one of the disciples was, you know, playing bejeweled on his phone while Jesus was going over all these blesseds, but then he hears reward, reward, oh, reward, yeah. Oh, great is our reward in heaven. Sweet. Next level. So how do we listen? How do we pay attention? Well, in our society today, we're just not good at it. It's just the truth. I'm not good at it. But how do we listen and pay attention together? We engage in discipleship with others who can help keep us focused. We're engaging with a diverse group that allows for us to call out the other when they're complaining that God's not doing anything. And when in reality, it's just the fact that they're not paying attention. You might say, well, Ryan, I can pay attention on my own. And you're right, you can. But you'll eventually fall asleep. And when you fall asleep, God doesn't stop speaking. God doesn't stop healing. God doesn't stop teaching and calling while you're asleep. So while you're asleep, I hope someone else is listening and paying attention. Because if not, we're missing out. So one last thought for us this morning. If discipleship has been happening for thousands of years, well then why is it necessary? How could we not look like Jesus already? How have we not gotten this down? Well, I think we have to go back on our belief that we just talked of what is discipleship. If we're really paying attention to what God is doing, we have to remember what God is all about. What is God all about in the world? God is making all things new. God is making all things new. And you know what happens when things get made new? You better pay attention or you're going to get out of the loop. You're going to feel like you missed a day of school and now you have no idea what's going on. God's making new today. And we're listening and we're watching and we're paying attention. And even if we hear and we're in tune with what God is up to, we better wake up tomorrow ready to pay attention and to listen 
Because God is doing something new tomorrow than what is doing new today. And the good news for us today, church, if you haven't heard anything, the good news for us is that this does not mean that God is changing and we're trying to continue to figure out God. The good news is that it's not God that's changing. It's everything else. So why do we question what God is up to? Because everything's changing. Everything is being made new. And we can't watch and wait and listen on our own. Because if we do, we're going to get tired of kicking the ball off of the brick wall. Because the wall does not share the love of the game. Karen, would you come play something for us again? We, we didn't get to, to meet last week, and, and as we, we talk about discipleship and why, one of the biggest points last week was why discipleship is because we are called. And in a group this size, I know that there, is, there are people that have never fully answered the call to discipleship. You've attended discipleship. You've been a part of discipleship. But you've always listened for what, how God was calling the leader. But today, God is calling you and making you new. Maybe today you've been challenged by these thoughts of what is discipleship. I know all week I've been challenged by this thought that my discipleship is not diverse enough. I only engage with people that look like me, that talk like me, that have similar backgrounds as me. But for us to fully engage in discipleship, it's got to be more diverse. So what is it? It's listening and paying attention with the diverse group of people. Are you really answering the call of God on your life? Have you always thought of discipleship as something that it's not? You're not alone. So today I invite you, if, if you just need a moment with the Lord... To say, God, this, this journey has been a thing about doing what the church is doing, and it hasn't been about what you're calling me to do. Then ask God to search you and seek in your heart the ways in which God is calling you to personal discipleship that's going to be unique to everyone in this room. Ask God to search your heart, and let's pray together today that our discipleship would be everything that Christ calls it to be. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today, the God that is making all things new. And we wonder why we're questioning where you're at. Help us to pay attention. To quiet our minds and our hearts to the ways in which you are calling each and every one of us to be disciples. Lord, we, we repent of the ways in which our discipleship hasn't been diverse enough, that we're not engaging with people in our community to make our discipleship deeper. Father, and we, we do thank you for those special times that we have with you on our own. For even you drew off in the wilderness to be with the Lord. But you didn't stay there. 
you came back and experienced God with all of us, with your disciples. So Father, today, may we realize that this is a seven days a week, 365 days a year call to discipleship. Lord, as you search our hearts today, may you encourage us that as you're making all things new, you can make our hearts new today. That as we say yes and surrender to your call on our lives, that our hearts can be made new. Even if we've walked with you for years, Lord, today, make us new. And tomorrow, make us new. And on Tuesday, make us new, Father, because you are making all things new and we want to participate. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hands that can put our phones down and listen to what you're doing in the world. God, we thank you for for your scripture and word today, for our time of fellowship and our time of worship, our time of giving and rejoicing that we belong to you. We celebrate new life today with baby Amelia. We celebrate new members joining our family. God, we're so thankful for what is to come. There's exciting things and there's things on the calendar and dates coming up. But Lord, if we are not engaging in meaningful, true discipleship, then it's all in vain. So help us. Show us what it means to be your disciples today. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next week, we'll talk about how. How do we do discipleship? We've, we've, we've talked two weeks about what and why. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the hows and the ways that we can apply this to our lives. Today, I invite you to stand and receive a blessing as a called people of God to discipleship. So may the God of grace and peace sanctify you through and through as people who are disciples that pay attention and listen to God making all things new. Go in his grace and peace today. Amen.